What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. In this episode, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the Bills, a little bit about the abysmal Sabres, and we're also going to talk about my feelings on the Miles Garrett helmet swinging incident. So if you want to hear all about that, stick around and let's have some fun. Before we start this podcast, I want to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who has listened to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, I want you to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody you know that enjoys sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, on Anchor. If you want to contact me at all, you can get at me at my email, which is sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's sportstalkbuff1 on Twitter to find out the latest news and notes from the show and also my opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in and around sports in general. Again, thank you all for listening. So let's keep this podcast growing and keep the ball rolling. So if you're ready, let's jump right into it. All right, let's jump right into things and start talking about the Buffalo Bills. I know I didn't record last week. I'm sorry about that. I had a lot going on, and the fact that Everything in Buffalo sports last week was so depressing. I just couldn't bring myself to sit in front of a microphone and record for you guys. But let's kick it off. Let's start with a little bit about the Bills versus Cleveland. Now, in this game, the the Bills should have won this game. The defense played absolutely outstanding. Cleveland had two drives of 10-plus plays and scored just three points. The Bills stopped Cleveland on a uh, first and goal situation, first and goal, second, you know, uh, a goal to go situation is what I'm looking for. A goal to go situation eight times in one series, leaving them with zero points off of that. That is absolutely incredible. And the fact that the Bills wasted that defensive effort is incredible. The fact that they only scored 16 points against one of the absolute worst defenses in the NFL is pretty terrible in and of itself. And the fact that they threw the ball 41 times in this game when Cleveland has a fairly decent uh, pass defense and an abysmal rushing defense. And not only that, but you have Singletary carry the ball eight times for 48 yards. He was averaging 5.2 yards a carry, and you give the guy the ball just eight times. Absolutely embarrassing. The Bills should be embarrassed to lose to Cleveland 19-16. to the fact that they didn't even score 20 points and the the game plan itself was embarrassing should never, ever, ever have happened in this game. Jumping ahead, you have, uh, we're going to talk, say on the, the Cleveland Browns, we're going to talk about the Miles Garrett helmet swinging incident against Mason Rudolph. Now, here is what blows my mind. People on Twitter... I'm guessing mostly Cleveland fans are defending Miles Garrett's actions. That is crazy. The fact that Miles Garrett decided he wanted to use the helmet of the opposing quarterback to hit him in the head with it is awful. 
It's an awful act. Do I think that people are talking about, they were talking about criminal charges and things like that? I don't think that that rose to criminal charges type thing. If Mason Rudolph would have gotten uh, hurt or seriously hurt or maybe even gotten a concussion in that play, then yes, maybe it rises to the level of uh, criminal charges. And I'll bring up something like the NHL. People are talking about uh, criminal charges, things like that, that, that uh, you know, players swing their sticks at each other and, and all that, and there's never any criminal charges. I'll bring you back to the Marty McSorley and Donald Brashear incident when McSorley slashes Brashear from behind in the head with his stick. Uh, Marty McSorley actually got criminally charged and got 18 months probation in that incident. So it is not unprecedented for a player to be criminally charged in the course of of a game and an action that is absolutely despicable. Now, again, people are saying, oh, well, you know, what do you want Miles Garrett to do? You know, Mason Rudolph started the whole thing by trying to rip his helmet off and and trying to kick Miles Garrett away from him. Here's the thing. Watch the whole play. Watch it from very start, from, from the word go to the end of it. It's all on Miles Garrett. And if you think otherwise, you're just stupid. You're honestly stupid because Miles Garrett hits Mason Rudolph. The ball is long gone and he continues to wrestle him to the ground in a game that is already won by the Cleveland Browns. So of course, Miles Garrett's going to be frustrated. Of course, he's going to go in and rip at the helmet and kick and, and slap and punch and everything else at Miles Garrett. But the fact that Miles Garrett then ripped the helmet off of Mason Rudolph and hit him in the head with it, that's over the line. That's over, that that's way over the line. And I think the NFL actually got this one right. I said it as soon as it happened on my Twitter, Sports Talk Buff One. You can follow me on Twitter. I said it on my Twitter. He should be suspended for the rest of the season. And I they suspended him indefinitely which is going to be at least for the rest of the season and the playoffs should they make it. The Browns are not going to make the playoffs. But they did suspend him indefinitely. I don't think he should get any games next season. I don't. Again, I don't think it rises to that level. It is a despicable act, yes. But I think he should just get suspended for the rest of this year, and I think that will suffice. I don't think Mason Rudolph should get suspended at all. I did say that I think, or I, I'm pretty sure I, sh- I said he should he should be fined at least, and he was fined. To my knowledge, but something else that I want to talk about is Pouncey, which is one of the offensive linemen for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in defense of his quarterback. That is what you want to see. And the fact that he got three games, I think is a little overboard. Yes, he threw punches. Yes, he tried to stomp on Miles Garrett, but Miles Garrett had his helmet on the entire time. So there was obviously no real damage done there. I think one game should suffice for Pouncey, and he is appealing his suspension. I do think one game is enough for him. I think a a, a significant fine for Mason Rudolph for his part in this is good. And I think Miles Garrett being suspended for the rest of this regular season uh, fits the bill pretty perfectly um, and, and takes care of the incident in and of itself. So with that said, we're going to move on and talk about the Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what we thought we were going to see the first time around. This is what we should have seen the first time around for the Buffalo Bills. The defense came out with fire, with emotion, with passion. They were running around. 
They were hitting everybody. They were making plays. The Dolphins had next to no run game. Of course, their top rusher was out, but they had next to no run game in this one. And the defense itself only allowed, I believe, 13 points. So again, the defense played a spectacular game, which you figured they probably would because Miami does not have a very good team. Even though they were coming off of two straight wins, they were coming off of wins to teams that, you know, playing essentially playing backup quarterbacks. But the Bills never let off the gas in this game. They ended up winning 37-20. to At one point late in the fourth quarter, the Bills are up by just uh, one score, I believe. And they come back and they are con- they continue to throw the ball. They continue to try to drive the nail in the coffin in this game. And that is something that I loved to see. They didn't sit back and try to milk the clock and try to run it, you know, run, run, pass, punt the ball. They came out firing and they beat the Miami Dolphins soundly in this one. Again, 37-20. to I loved it. This is potentially the best game in Josh Allen's young career, as it probably should have been. Josh Allen looked the part of a franchise quarterback in this game. He was 21 of 33 for 500. Yeah, right. I wish it was 500 yards. For 256 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He had seven carries for 56 yards, and he added another touchdown. He accounted for four total touchdowns in this game. Another big thing in this game, the offensive line gave Josh Allen a ton of time multiple times in this game. And the thing that I liked the most is Josh Allen realized he had a ton of time. He sat back in the pocket. He didn't flush himself out to the left or to the right. He let his receivers get open for him. And then he made accurate throws down the field. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It is showing growth. It is showing that he is not panicking in the pocket and realizing that he has time to find an open guy downfield. And when you give a quarterback four, five, six seconds, somebody is going to come open down the field. So great job by the offensive line in this game. Now, I want to taper the expectations a little bit going into this. The Bills have a very tough schedule coming up as they play the Broncos, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Patriots. And the combined record in the next five games is going to be 28-18. and And the combined record in the first 10 games was 31-62. and So a considerable amount uh, more difficult coming up. It looked like it was going to be an easier schedule for the Buffalo Bills, but these last five games are going to be very, very important for them. And as they, or these next five games, I should say, not the last five games, the next five games are going to be very, very important for the Buffalo Bills if they want to make uh, the playoffs. They have, they are tied for the third toughest strength, uh, third toughest strength of schedule, I'm sorry, uh, in the next five games coming up. Again, The Broncos, the Cowboys, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Patriots. I have them beating the Cowboys, or I have them beating the Broncos. I do not have them beating the Cowboys. I think they lose on Thanksgiving Day to the Cowboys. It is a short week. I did have them beating the 
Baltimore Ravens initially. I don't have them beating the Baltimore Ravens. I think in both in in both of the previous predictions, I had them beating the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, I don't have them beating the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson is an unstoppable force. He has played tremendously, not just passing the ball, but running the ball. And him running the ball is what sets up him passing the ball. He's he's playing lights out right now. He's playing with a real chip on his shoulder, and it is showing he's playing very good football. The Steelers is a is a is a toss-up game, realistically. Is a toss-up game. If they can get pressure on Mason Rudolph, the Bills have a very significant chance to win as Rudolph struggles when he gets pressure his way. He struggles to manipulate the pocket. He struggles to slide in the pocket and make accurate throws downfield. And of course, I do have the Bills losing to the New England Patriots. So again, the Bills have a very difficult schedule coming up. Here's some stats that I wanted to to talk about though. Josh Allen now is on pace for 3,480 yards passing with 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 530 yards rushing, and 13 touchdowns. If that's not progress over the first season, I don't know what is. Am I sold on Josh Allen yet? I am not sold on Josh Allen yet. I'll tell you that right now. No, I'm not sold. But he is progressing. He is showing me that he can potentially be the guy that we've been looking for. And that gives me a lot of hope going forward. Now, he's going to have to play good games against good teams as he has struggled mightily against some of the better teams defensively in, uh, on the schedule so far this year. So if he can come with a good game next week and the week after, win or lose, it will instill more confidence in the Bills organization. It will instill more more confidence in the Bills players, and it will instill more confidence in the Buffalo Bills fans. Now, somebody else I want to talk about, he has flown in under the radar. He has an absolute bargain. He was a steal in the offseason so far. John Brown. John Brown had initially had his best season in Baltimore. I think it was just over a thousand yards receiving. Right now, he is on pace to shatter that, to obliterate it. People thought that he was just kind of a one-trick pony. They call him Smoke because he is a burner. He can get deep and get deep fast. But he has showed that he is a very talented wide receiver. Is he a legit number one? I still don't think he's a legit number one. He had a big game in this one, and we'll talk about it in a second. But I still think if you if you add somebody of his caliber or a little bit worse or a little bit better, it will open him up even more than he is getting open right now. John Brown is on pace for 1,307 yards uh, with 90 receptions and four touchdowns, or six touchdowns, I believe, to end the season. That is incredible. Both of those career highs. I think he will get to around 1,200 yards or so on the season. He is breaking Bill's records, the most consecutive games with 50-plus yards, things like that. And in this last game against the Miami Dolphins, he had 137 yards receiving and two touchdowns. That is the most reception yards since Sammy Watkins, December 24th, 2016, in a loss against Miami. John Brown playing lights out right now and has been consistently for a majority of the season. Josh Allen needs to find his consistency against good teams. And if they can do that, the Bills defense is clearly good enough 
to help get them into the playoffs. I still think the Bills win three more games out of all, out of the next six to get them into the playoffs. I think that they are the first wild card team. Do I think they're going to make it far in the playoffs? I don't. I think they're going to get bounced in the wild card game, but that is yet to be seen. But that's going to do it for this segment. So stick around. In the next segment, we're going to talk about how bad the Buffalo Sabres have been and is there anything that they can do to make their team better. So stick around. The next segment's going to be a good one. Well, all right, let's jump right into things here in segment number two. And we're going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres in their last 11 games. In their last 11 games, the Buffalo Sabres are 2-7-2. and two. They've gotten points in just four of their last 11 games, and then they lost seven games in regulation time. That is horrible, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely 100% horrible. And again, and and what I'm going to say is a lot of people are probably going to blame the injuries on the Buffalo Sabres losing, but I got to tell you, the bad play started before all the injuries started to pile up for the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres uh, have been outscored in their last 11 games, 38-22. to 38-22. That is awful. That's just awful. It seems like nobody on this team wants to score again, aside from Jack Eichel. It seems like Ralph Kruger is taking on the role of Phil Housley and just being completely lost behind the bench. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to say, when I said I thought the team could could sustain the winning, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. This is pathetic. It is it is hard to watch the Buffalo Sabres this year and the fact that they are not doing anything to try to remedy this slide is is crazy to me. The fact that they went into the season with Marcus Johansson as their number two center is insane to me. Now, don't get me wrong. He was an upgrade over last year. The Buffalo Sabres in Casey Middlestad or whoever they put as their second line center, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. The Sabres were a one-trick pony and it showed and they had a monumental collapse last year. When the Sabres went, won 10 games in a row, it was a 90 percent plus chance that they would make the playoffs 90 plus percent chance that they would make the playoffs and they had a monumental collapse the rest of the year they essentially needed to play 500 hockey the rest of the season to get themselves into a potential playoff position and they had a collapse so epic they finished one of the worst teams in the NHL again Again, and this is bad because they're trying to win. They're trying to win. Jason Botterill is not doing his job as the GM of the Buffalo Sabres. He has been very, very bad. And we thought, okay, in the offseason, he's adding a bunch of defensemen. He's going to clearly unload one of these defensemen. He's going to make a big trade. He's going to make a big splash. He's going to get a top six forward that's going to come in and help Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner and... and uh, Sam Reinhardt, he's going to get somebody to come in here and do that. Look, he loaded up on defensemen, especially right-handed defensemen. Look at all the quality right-handed defensemen the Sabres have. And guess what? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Again, we have nothing to show for it. We are more than 20 games into the season now, and the Sabres 
are just the same dreadful sabers that we've been uh, that we've had to watch for the last more than half a decade. This is horrible to watch. Jason Bottero, if you're listening, do something. Please do something. Do anything. This is horrible. I can't stand watching this team any longer. It is so bad. At what point does Jason Botterill make a move to bolster this team's scoring? They just got beat by a team that allowed three or more goals in 14 of 20 games. The Minnesota Wild. They allowed three or more goals in 14 of 20 games. And the Sabres could muster just one goal. One goal. That is so bad. It is so bad. I I don't understand how you can let this team be this bad for this long. You are wasting Jack Eichel. You are completely wasting Jack Eichel. This is what I'm going to say. You had a chance to get a legitimate top six forward in Ryan Dezingle in the offseason. The Sabres desperately needed somebody like Dezingle to come into the Buffalo Sabres. He had an incredible year last year. He's been fairly consistent over the course of his career. And he signed a very modest two-year, $6.25 million contract with the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh my gosh, the Sabres could have gotten Ryan Dezingle. This is what his stats look like so far this year. He has four goals, 10 assists. He is a plus seven in 20 games. If you're telling me that's not a top six forward, I don't know what is. That's the guy I wanted to go after in the offseason. The fact that a lot of teams waited and waited and waited. They didn't want to make the big splash. They didn't want to sign the guy because of all the terrible, terrible contracts and the year that Kyle Ocposo was signed. I get it. But after that long, you come in, you offer him something decent. And he will sign the contract. He would come here to Buffalo and he would be your number two center. And he would fit in well behind Jack Eichel. He could be the guy with Skinner on his left and Johansson on his right or vice versa. Whatever you want. But that is a legitimate top six. Eichel, Reinhardt, Olofsson, Dezingle, Skinner, and Johansson. What the Sabres rolled out with this year is not good enough. And then you got Middlestap, Sherry, and VC. The line actually looked very, very, very good the first 10, 15 games of the season. But then they split all those guys up. They still didn't put Skinner with Ikes, even after Johansson was hurt, which I don't for the life of me understand why now. Skinner's struggling without Johansson. Eichel seems like he's the only person on this team that's doing anything. He seems like he's the only person that cares. And in this game against Minnesota, his frustration showed... But his leadership also showed the Sabres are down 3-0. After the faceoff, Eichel goes behind the net. Uh, he gets pushed up against the boards. Comes uh, up with, I, I don't know, I don't remember the, the gentleman that he, he did this with. They come up the ice a little bit just around the faceoff dot. Eichel throws his gloves off and just starts teeing off on the Minnesota Wild player. It got all of the fans in the building juiced. It got it got me juiced. It got me hyped up. I love seeing a guy who cares, a guy who who is showing his emotion out on the ice. He's showing the Sabres and the fans that he cares. He wants to be here. He wants to win games. That is a message to his team, his coach, and his GM that he needs help. Bring him some help here. For the love of God, bring him some help to Buffalo. Please, I don't understand how he, how you're still wasting him. You're just wasting all of Jack Eichel's talent. You tanked for this guy. 
I get it. You tanked. You you got him. Is is he Connor McDavid? No, but he's gotten considerably better year after year after year for the Buffalo Sabres. He had his best year last year, and guess what? He looks like he's going to blow those numbers out of the water this year on a team that's not that good. Again, he is incredible, and you are wasting him. Speaking of players, what is Rasmus Dahlin doing? The guy is supposed to be this generational talent on defense. He's supposed to be an Eric Carlson, and I get it. He's still a teenager, but he looks lost. He looks completely lost on the back end. He's consistently getting beat in this game against Minnesota. I seen him hesitate on a play at the blue line to try to go. He didn't know whether or not to go and pinch and and get the puck back in deep. He decides, you know, he waits a second or two. Then he decides to pinch, which turns out to be a bad idea. He gets beat up the ice again. And fortunately, it did not turn into a goal. But he's been playing very, very bad, especially in his own end. He looks lost. Guys are getting behind him. He's getting pushed around. He's making bad uh, passes. He's making bad decisions. I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. I realistically, with your plethora of D, I think you need to sit the young man down for a game or two, let him recollect himself, let him get some confidence back, and then reinsert him in the lineup. He, you are not doing him any favors. A lot of times you want a, a kid to try to work through his struggles. He's not working through his struggles. He's struggling more. He's losing more confidence in himself, in his game. Jack Eichel, the other, he keeps getting benched. Jack Eichel the other night with his hands around Rasmus Dahlin's shoulders, shaking him, trying to give him uh, words of encouragement on the bench, showing or letting him know that, yes, I understand that it's tough. I was a teenager in this league also, but showing him that, you know, trying to tell him that it's going to get better, but it's not getting better. He's getting beat over and over and over again. He got beat again tonight. He let, you know, he keeps letting players in behind him. His head's not on a swivel. And when he carries the puck, he's not carrying the puck well. He's not carrying the puck with confidence. He's not passing the puck with confidence. And and somehow his skating seems to have disappeared also. He doesn't look like he's fast on his skates out there. I don't know what's going on with Rasmus Dahlin, but something needs to be done about him also. Again, I want to talk about Jack Eichel dropping the gloves. Should he have to drop the gloves? Absolutely not. But does he drop the gloves? Does he show that he cares? Does he uh, provide that leadership? Absolutely. If you are a fan that didn't get fired up, you need to reevaluate watching sports and watching this sport in particular. That should fire you up and you should absolutely love seeing that kind of emotion from your captain. If you are a player and that doesn't fire you up, you need to you need to retire from the NHL because you don't have it. You are dead inside. The fact that right now, you know, it seemed to, to spark the Sabres a little bit, but you everyone on that bench should have been standing up. When they showed the picture of the bench, every single player on the bench should have been standing up, pounding the pounding the boards, getting fired up. And, this, and some of the Sabres were just still sitting there. They looked dead inside. It's like they have already given up on the season. It's like the season's over for them, even though they're still in the thick of things right now. And it, it's pathetic to watch. It is absolutely pathetic to watch. The fans deserve better, people. Eichel deserves better. We all deserve better than what we're getting. And Jason Botterill is failing at every single turn. He's failing. The best move he did was bringing in Jeff Skinner, 
for next to nothing, but then he had to sign him to a monster contract to get him to stay, which is fine. He's still probably going to produce somewhere between 30 and 40 goals, but still, ladies and gentlemen, outside of Jeff Skinner and and, and maybe Yoki Haru, what has he done? What has he done to bolster this lineup? He's done a, a, an okay job with the defense, but he's not moving anybody else. He's not using his assets wisely to bring in a top six forward to help the scoring. And he said he wants a bottom six forward. That's all you have on this team are bottom six forwards. You need top six forwards on this team. If you want Marcus Johansson, Johansson to be your two cent, your number two center for right now until maybe next year when Dylan Cousins might be ready, may or may not be ready to come in and, and provide that role, fine. But you got to give him some help. You can't have Connor Sherry. You can't have Vladimir freaking Sabotka on the top six forwards. You are brain dead. If you think that's working, you are absolutely 100% brain dead. I don't think Jason Botterill has his finger on the pulse of this team. I don't think he's ever had his finger on the pulse of this team. And this is going to be the second straight year that he has let this team have a monumental collapse. That's going to do it for the rest of this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you've listened all the way to the end, I want to thank you for listening and continue to listen to this podcast. If you like it, tell your friends, tell your family. You can get at me on uh, on email at sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. You can... Also, listen to me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. Also, if you want to leave me a message, a voice message, you can go to anchor.fm on this podcast and leave me a voice message. Let me know what you think about what's going on with the Bills. Let me know what what you think about what's going on with the Buffalo Sabres. Let me know what you think about what's going on with the UB Bulls, men's basketball or football teams, or just anything else that you want me to address on this show. And thank you again for listening. Have a good week.